This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Hi and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name is Louise and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is read at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution, nor does it wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. However, once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are an alcoholic, you're at the beginning of a long road that usually ends in one of three places prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic is often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy is the physical aspect of the disease. After having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet, because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. And this is what makes us powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. 
Okay, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9, and we're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share their experience with alcoholism. So let's meet our guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Anna, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Anna, welcome to the show. Would you like to tell us how old you are? Uh, yeah, I am 35. Awesome. And how long have you been sober? Coming up 16 months now. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So let's learn a little bit more about uh, Anna and um, tell us what was it like growing up? Tell us about your childhood. Uh, I feel like I had a fairly normal childhood. Uh, I had siblings. I had parents who provided everything I needed. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like I always felt like kind of an outsider. Mm. Um, I was always a little bit of a loner. Mm-hmm. Um, I found like I was like that a lot in school, at home. Um, yeah, I feel I often hear alcoholics describe it as having like a hole in their soul. And I feel mm. like I've kind of always had that kind of missing piece. Mm, but mm. I feel like my childhood was pretty, yeah, it was pretty normal. Mm, mm. Um and and so you know, as you entered into you know your your teenage years, you know, how did you start? You know, how did alcohol come into your life, and 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 what was it? What was it like? How did you start drinking? Uh I don't actually remember my first drink, but I was a blackout drinker, so that probably explains that. Um, I do remember starting to drink with my close friends when we were discovering alcohol and I remember always drinking the fastest, getting mm. the drunkest mm. and would often black out right from the start right. of drinking. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I guess, you know, that, that type of drinking being almost normalized in society, as you progress into early adulthood, um, you know what? What did it progress? Did it change? You know what? What was your story in, into your sort of into your twenties and, and through study? Did you did you study? Yeah, I um, I studied. I went to university. Uh, studied science. I was drinking and drugging throughout university. Mm-hmm. Probably uh, other drugs entered my life then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I decided I needed a change of place and moved <laughs> to Australia mm-hmm. when I graduated. Uh, and in Australia, uh, I found at the start I was drinking quite a bit uh, and, yeah, smoking weed. And then... Um, yeah, I I was drinking alone a lot then as well. I feel like that's mm. when my drinking started to change. Right. I was drinking with other people as well, but then I found that on what would usually be my nights off from drinking, mm. I would just stay home with a bottle of red mm. and I would usually finish it. Mm. Mm. So it did change as as you grew and yeah. grew up, it yeah. changed. And so, you know, let's talk about some of the the consequences or or did you at any time think this isn't normal? Yeah, it's funny because looking back to those times, I think it would have been about my mid-20s when I was having a bottle every night. I don't think I 
did see a huge problem with it mm. at the time. I think I was more worried that I wasn't progressing with my career. I didn't have mm. the right job. Um, I was more worried about what other people were thinking of me, but not regarding the alcohol. And, Just, and, and you didn't tie any of that at any time? Not then. No, no I don't think I did. No. no. <laughs> Interesting. And and um and so you know as 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 things progressed, you know that you, you talk about daily drinking. Um you know was there you know any point where that that progressed? Um that went on quite solidly for a few years and then um I met someone who was a very extreme personality and kind of, I guess, followed them across the country. Mm. And um, that was when I got into really hard drugs. Mm. And I didn't drink while mm. I was doing those. Yeah, I yeah. Drank, maybe once or twice. Interesting. But, um, yeah. <laughs> and so that, that cross-addicting, as we, yeah. we call it in recovery. Yeah. Okay, sure. So let's talk about some of the some of the consequences on um, jobs, relationships, family. Um, where do I start? Uh, yeah, I throughout my 20s, I was in lots of short-term relationships. Mm-hmm. Um. But reflecting back on them, I feel like I just never had my stuff together. Mm. So I could never fully be there for someone in a relationship. Mm. And I think that was kind of why they never ended up Mm. working out. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think it affected every aspect of my life. Mm. Like it did. It really hindered me from figuring out what I wanted to do Mm. um, and who I wanted to be around. And, yeah, it just made it easy to kind of ignore all of those big decisions that I had to make mm-hmm. when I mm-hmm. could just drink instead. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we often, uh, you know, we talk about this melody uh, around, you know, your emotional well-being. What, what was your emotional state like throughout this time? Oof. Ah. Uh, My emotional state was very up and down, I think, pretty much my whole life. But then Mm. in my 20s, it really took a turn. Mm. Um, I just don't think I had the tools to deal with emotions. It wasn't something that was really spoken about in the Mm. household. Mm. And, um, yeah, no, I just had no idea how to deal with emotions. Um, And um, so we we talk about... We or we describe an AA a rock bottom, um, and I guess what what brought us into either the rooms of AA or recovery of some sort. What did that look like for you? Okay, well for me it was the fear of my rock bottom when I was on drugs, because I moved back from Australia. I got off the hard drugs, and then alcohol slowly. Like, it just eased back into my life. It was so comfortable. It was so familiar. Um, and then it just took over in a way that it never had before. Like, I was getting drunk every single night mm. just to oblivion as well. Um, and I 
realized I had a problem and I tried to quit by myself and I think I got four months sober and then I met someone and got in a relationship and held off for a couple of months and then we got drunk one night together and um yeah and it went from there and I was just so obsessed with alcohol it was all I could think about Mm. I was either thinking about how I didn't wasn't going to drink that Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. or looking forward to having a drink um it was really quite torturous yeah and there were a few things that culminated in I guess my rock bottom but um I started, I took the plunge and decided I was going to go back to school uh, to study for a year. And my partner at the time went to an Al-Anon meeting. Wow. Yeah. And she also, her best friend was an alcoholic. Right. But it was also because of me. Yeah. And that was the real push that I needed to, um, yeah, to go to a meeting. And and so you you actually went to a meeting that was your first introduction to recovery and to sobriety. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I think. Well, I earlier, like a few years earlier, I'd read the steps online okay, and yeah. gone through them all myself <laughs> and been like, "Oh yeah, I'm fixed." Uh, but yeah, that was my first introduction. Was the Friday Tui Street meeting. Crash the lunchtime one. And and what was it like? Tell us about, you know, your first experience walking into the meeting and, and what were the people like? Oh, it was it was so lovely. It was um uh the people that go to the Friday lunchtime meeting are just so wonderful. And I walked in and I don't know, I guess the demographic wasn't exactly what I was expecting alcoholics to be. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone always talks about the brown paper bag, and I guess I kind of expected that. And just I received the warmest welcome. Mm. And then I remember saying I was a newcomer, and I felt so special, and everyone was sharing at me. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, no, it was just I instantly felt like I was in the wrong place and that I wasn't alone and that these other people were just so lovely and if they could have the same problem that I had, then, you know, it just wasn't maybe as bad as, yeah, I don't know. It just felt great. And um, so, you know, 16 months up, tell us about, you know, what are some of the things that have been part of your recovery program and and what do you do um, to, to maintain your sobriety? All right. Well, I think the main things for me are going to about three meetings a week seems to be the ideal spot for me. Um, I'll usually go to two in person and then one online because I'm pretty busy this year. I've just started a new career. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) A gift of sobriety. Exactly, exactly. And um, what else? I really enjoy... My prayers in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try and do the daily reflections every day. Uh, but yeah, my morning prayers are just, um, I do the third step prayer and the St. Francis prayer. And I've, I'm not religious and I never have been, but um, yeah, something about just kind of handing it over that early in my day. Something kind of, different. Yeah, and taking the focus off self. 
It just, yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about, you know, um, you've touched on, um, you know, prayers and, and we talk about AA being a spiritual program, not a religious program. So what, how's, what was that like for you when you came into the rooms and has it changed or what's it like? Uh, well, <clears throat> my spiritual journey has been quite interesting. I grew up in a atheist slightly agnostic household but the atheism was definitely the dominant Mm. um and then i feel like i got kind of spiritual in my Mm mid-20s but it was quite yeah yeah it was an interesting time um (laughs) and then so when i got into aa i wasn't opposed to the idea of god or something outside of myself at all Mm. Um, I had some pretty strange experiences uh, that had led me to kind of, yeah, that had led me to believe that there was something else. I'd Mm. had this dream once about a near-death experience and walked into this amazing light and, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, the spirituality of AA for me, I think I'm still figuring it Mm. out. Mm. Um, And I think it's changed since I started, uh, but basically, it's kind of the idea that I'm not running the show, yeah, and that there is some other guiding force that kind of knows intuitively the right way to do things, mm. and that I can just hand it over to that, mm. and mm. Um, well, everything will be as it's supposed to be. Mm. So that's kind of what I, yeah. And and the program helps us, I guess, tap into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, so talking about other parts of, of what we call the program, um, so the steps, you, you mentioned you read the, the steps and it is a 12-step <laughs> program. So so talk about how the steps have played a big part in your recovery. Yeah. Well, I have... I've started with the first four steps um, and I really enjoyed the prayer from the third step and I started the fourth step about a year ago and um, I'm finding it quite difficult to get through Mm -hmm. but I also know that it's going to be very rewarding when I do. Mm. So um, yeah, I am I'm really enjoying the steps, but mm-hmm. they are taking longer than I expected them to take. And and yeah. we and we often say in, in God's time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um and so some of the other um, aspects of of the program, so service, and 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 um you know helping others. What does that look like for you? Uh, for me, service looks like having uh, a role at at least one meeting, mm-hmm. a service role. So I've got, when I first started, I had a service position as the coffee and tea person mm-hmm. for a meeting in the city. And now I have a coffee and tea position for a meeting <laughs> out in Rolleston. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just looks like service for me. Yeah. Because it helps me get to know those people in that one meeting mm. really well. And it means that I'm usually going to turn up to that meeting. Yeah. Absolutely. Every single week. And it just keeps me, <laughs> you know, 
inside the inner workings. I guess not quite the inner workings, but yeah, in the yeah. middle of the bed, as That's they it. say. That's yeah. It. <laughs> and um, you know, what are some of the things you do? You know, to help deal with life on life's terms. You know, how do you cope with difficulty? Mm, that's a good question as well. Um, I would say that the things that are really up there for me are AA meetings. I always feel so much better after mm. an AA meeting. Uh, there's taking my time to kind of reflect and do my prayers in the morning, like mm. I said. Um, I've started running again. Mm-hmm. I did a half marathon at the end of last year, which was, yeah, really cool. Yep. Um, and I've continued to run uh, because, yeah, endorphins are great. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, another gift of sobriety. Yeah, exactly. There is no way that I could have kept mm. up a training mm. Mm. regime. Yeah. Um, and what else do I do? I meditate mm-hmm. a bit as well. Yeah. Um, I've got an injury at the moment, but I usually do yoga. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I actually have a a silent meditation retreat coming up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be really interesting. And again, um, you know, part of our steps is prayer and meditation. Yeah. So, so Anna, tell us about your life today. How has it changed? Oh, wow. Um, I, it hasn't been, it's only been 16 months, but I think every, kind of every facet of my life has changed completely. I'm in a new career mm-hmm. that is really challenging, um, but I love it, and I love working hard and not watching the clock, and it's just so rewarding compared mm-hmm. to what I was doing before. Um, I've actually, yeah, I, oh, what else? I've moved. I'm living with some wonderful friends. Um, that's all going really well, too. Um I've got really strong connections with my family and friends. Mm. Like they've really come back to life. Mm. Um, and it's just so nice knowing that, you know, they know that they can rely on me now. And it's, yeah, we've just, oh, I'm so much closer to everyone now, mm-hmm. uh, which is lovely. And it's lovely to think that those people that were there all along are still willing to, yeah, you know, yeah. make the time for you to come back and join them in the real world. Um, yeah, and I've actually, uh, I'm in a new relationship as well, and that's going really, really well too. Mm. Um, yeah, so, and I just feel like I'm able to bring so much more of myself to every part of my life as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And what would you recommend, you know, someone might ask themselves if they think, think they've got a drink, you know, a drinking problem, what could they ask themselves to help them decide? Um, I would just ask, does drinking have a negative impact on my life overall mm. or a positive? Yeah. And if overall it's negative, then I would say, even if it isn't a huge drinking problem, it's still a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And some of the things that they can do to get some, to reach out and get some help. Yeah, well, there are so many meetings all around Christchurch and New Zealand and the world. Mm. Um, If they're feeling too shy to come into an in-person meeting, Mm -hmm. there are also Zoom meetings, although Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend going in 
in person because mm. you will be welcomed mm. and people will give you their numbers and chat to you and mm. yeah and you don't have to stand up and share in your first meeting or anything mm. you can just sit there and listen that's all that I did yeah um yeah I would just say go into a meeting give or get someone to take you to a meeting yeah yeah wonderful there is an AA hotline Yep. I don't know the number. But. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you that soon. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It's been lovely to have you here. Thanks. So for our listeners, if you've related to anything that you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. As Anna said, there are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesday at 12.30pm. You can also find podcasts of our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download, subscribe and listen to podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business, but if you want to stop, we can help. You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with the serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9.